Step inside these hallowed halls of the Red Light Library, where us librarians review short erotica. It gets the short end of the stick when it comes to criticism and review because, well, in the end, it's porn. This podcast reviews adult content that has frank discussions of sexual content, adult language, and, well, basically anything under the sun that certain publishing houses will allow. If that's something you can't legally listen to or don't want to listen to, back out now. Welcome back, dear patron, to the Red Light Library. I'm Aya, and I'm joined today by Jared. What are we reading today, Jared? Howdy, Aya. How are you doing? Oh, boy. Here we go again. <laughs> Thanks what for asking. I'm doing just today? fine. How are we've you got doing a, all that? We've got a, we're about patrons. to tussle with a tall tale. Yeah. <laughs> so what are, we, what are we reading? Well, we're reading uh, Desires of the Deep, College of United Monsters, book one by C.B. Archer. You can find it on Kindle. It's $3. Uh, it's not on Kindle Unlimited, it looks like. Where does the story start? Oh, uh, should we talk about the cover? <laughs> What's going on in this cover? It's a guy sitting by a poolside holding a book and looking sort of uncomfortable while very his feet dang- sure. While his feet are, are dangling in the pool and a merman is just holding his foot. Gonna give him a smooch. Gonna give that foot a smooch. I, I think this cover is probably drawn by CB Archer, actually, so uh, I think he. Yeah, they're all a similar art style, so I assume. The thing, the thing about a CB Archer book is that you know you're going to be getting an experience uh, first and yeah, foremost. I've this is the first time I've ever read any of uh, mm-hmm. any of his works. Uh, I assume that's not the case for you. I have uh, actually listened to the two episodes that. Um, were already done on the Red Light Library for C.B. Archer's books, and that's how I'm familiar with them. But this is also the first time I'm reading uh, a oh, okay. book of his firsthand, which okay. I found charming. I enjoyed it. So <laughs> it's quite a it's a very different type of story. I think. Mm-hmm. So the first chapter uh, is called "Beginner's Suspension of Disbelief 101," uh, and all all the chapters are course codes i guess course titles i mean that's not really how a course code or a course title works like you don't have the number and the name but whatever Uh, okay i'm gonna get into it immediately because there's this story sets up this thing of suspension of disbelief as being like a thing that's happening in the story and Mm -hmm. i feel like it's making me angry the more angrier the more i think about it because i feel like it's a trap for me as someone who's trying to talk about this book right because if i have any sort of criticism or if i say anything then someone can go oh well the point of the story is you suspend your disbelief and like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean oh no i get it the fun part about uh cb archer is like there's erotic content but i wouldn't say that like the purpose of the story is to titillate you you. it is just yeah it's not Fun. It's not so it's much like to give you a joke, boner. A I think parody. it's supposed to entertain. Like, I think it's supposed to, like, you know, make you laugh and entertain you. Because a lot of this is, you know, there are a lot of goofs that uh, are absurd and it's punny. And uh, Steve Archer lampshades so much stuff that, you know, it's obvious that it's ridiculous. And um, he points out that it's ridiculous. So, you know, you can just go with it and enjoy the uh, the aesthetic of mirth that is being put forth here. Yeah, it's just like a good time. 
So the story starts... Splash! A salty spray of warm liquid covered Cliff's face. A little got in his mouth, and he savored the tang for just a second before it dribbled out. He wiped it from his face and picked his chin up off the floor. <laughs> and like, okay, because like, it's clear what you, what that this is not what you think it is, but like, it's an erotic story. Mm-hmm. It, like, this sets up pretty clearly what the rest of the story is going to be like, of mm-hmm. like this level of jokiness. It's jokey, but it's also like it knows its material. It knows its audience. It knows... Um, something that I think, now I'm just, you're going to hear me brag a lot on CB Archer because I've been reading a lot of erotica that have not satisfied me. Um, (laughs) and so you've got, uh, more refined tastes. I see. Sure. Sure. I mean, part of that is just, I write, we'll just leave it at that. Um, and so there, there are certain things that just get me from a writer's perspective and something that CB Archer really does well is. He sets the scene very quickly. He sets the world. He sets up the point, And, you know, he has fun with it. And more than have fun with it, he understands the conventions and he also makes fun of those. So there's never a doubt that you're going to get an erotica, but also an erotica that I was going to say has fun with itself. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like there's a lot of setups for like the reader's expectations. And then immediately there's a comment or like more accurately, like. What's it called when you're playing basketball and then someone taller than you just slaps the ball out of your hand? I don't know what that's called, but like I feel I felt like that was happening to me a lot while reading the story. Mm-hmm. It's a like, lot I was of subversion. Something. So what's that good salty, uh, warm liquid on Cliff's face? Uh, as we saw on the cover, there's a merman, and that's it's called Desires of the Deep. We know that mm-hmm. that's kind of what's happening. The synopsis of this story, which is a little important, uh, Cliff. So there's this college it's the college of united monsters and they've fallen on financial hard times so they've had to start letting humans enroll and the main kind of dilemma thrust of this story well there are many thrusts but is cliff waters cliff waters is a human student that just enrolled but through some clerical error he's gotten enrolled in all underwater classes with his uh underwater fellows including Mer people. So he comes to school and he's like looking around for the classroom and he can't find it at some point realizing because like, oh, it's at the bottom of this pool. Oh, he tries to jump in. There's this whole system of like a merfolk kiss, I believe is what it's called. He's, you know, going to be late for his first class and he's like trying to find the class and he he's supposed to be in room 108, W-U-W-108, which stands for underwater 108. So one of the, this entire part of this building is just underwater. And he's like going to be late. So he's, you know, running, well, running, swimming to class. He takes the plunge and holds his breath and, you know, tries to get to class. But Cliff is a human and cannot breathe and almost drowns in the class like multiple times until finally the instructor's like, could somebody just give him the merfolk kiss, which is this kind of like... Not exactly like the bubble charm from Harry Potter, but it's pretty much like gives him a limited amount of air. It's like some sort of magic, a mermaid or merman kisses you and then you can breathe underwater. It depends on how long or how kiss the kiss was, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they're doing exactly. They're like putting breath in him. Yeah, it's like the the mermaids from Hook with, uh, if you saw that movie, uh, Robin Williams underwater and they're giving him air. Basically, don't worry about it too much. Just like, mm-hmm. like, just mm-hmm. accept it, move on. 
the class that he's attending is beginner suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so like if we want to get immediately into like the meta of this story, that's how you know that this is kind of going to be one of those stories. Uh, I think I actually marked it at some point. Uh, there's a paragraph that says like Cliff was never one to back down from a challenge. And this was one of those times uh, he would ask for directions. And so he's like trying to find the classroom. And then it dawned on him room UW 108 was underwater. Remembering the first sentence of this paragraph caused Cliff to swallow again. Well, he was never one to back down from a challenge, and this was another one of those times. So, like, on remembering the first sentence of this paragraph, I was like, well, mm-hmm. I guess this is going to be one of those stories. Yep. Archer breaks the fourth wall and is very meta and is... I mean, the whole story is playful, like, as a piece of fiction, but it's also... It never kind of loses its... The entire point of this story is for people to be horny, which... I mean, props, because yeah. many times authors get away and kind of get mired. They one or the other, I think, but I think there's parody and there's also erotic stuff happening throughout this story, and it doesn't lose sight of either of those things, which I feel like sometimes happens. So Cliff uh, gets to class and almost drowns and, you know, swims up and gets some air, and eventually the, the teacher's like, you're disrupting the class, could you just hurry up and so the thing that's interesting is that all of the mer people are just fascinated with cliff they are all and like he notices this before the merfolk kiss and while he's just like drowning in this classroom he notices that they're all super like they're all distracted they're all looking over at him they're salivating the way this over is described him. is the way this is described is very interesting because it is just like Ooh, who's this new kid? And they're like looking over at him. And then they also know, like, they're also jerking off under their desks. Mm-hmm. Like, it just seemed like that bit kind of came out of nowhere. But uh, so we meet a few characters from this class. And like, this is going to be most of the characters in the story. There's Leith McWhalen. Leith? Mm-hmm. I, I suppose it's supposed to be like Keith, but he's Leith. Leith McWhalen. Yeah. Ari Neptune. There's another mermaid. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, a, there's just a like green haired merman who is never named and that is lampshaded because literally they say the green-haired merman who will never be given a name (laughs) yeah but just like during roll call for this class they're all like looking at this human kid and not paying attention to anything because they are Mm -hmm. fondling Uh, themselves like pretty explicitly is what's happening in the room they all Uh, there's also a lot of this language that kind of confused me a little bit like Mm -hmm. when leith's name is called in the roll call he answers by winking and snapping at, and presumably snapping at the teacher. But what it says is he gave the instructor a wink and a finger bang, which yeah. I've never heard that term used to describe that action. It They're finger guns. A little bit. Yeah, like I get it. They're finger guns. I've never heard it called a finger bang because a finger bang is something else. And we are reading an erotica. <laughs> so like it seemed like an odd. I mean, it could a deliberately have been a deliberately confusing so, word choice. Yeah, there's. I, I mean, I was. I was honestly confused by a lot of the word choices and grammar in this story. Mm-hmm. Like it is not the cleanest. I mean, it like it gets the point across, but like it is it's it, you kind of stumble over the words a little bit. A lot of the jokes are syntactical, uh for sure. They the the writing style is comedy forward, it's humor first. And then it's sort of like the purpose of the story is to make jokes with the material that the jokes are made of being the erotic content. So uh, a little about the characters. We meet most of the actual characters, as I have pointed out, 
who we're going to be seeing. Leith McWhalen is kind of this big, burly, you know, football jock type merman. We have the, you know, his buddy, who's also pretty much of the similar build, the green-haired merman who's never going to be mentioned. We also have the introduction of another character named Humboldt, who is a purple-haired underwater creature person who we'll get to later. There was a mermaid at some point who never appears again, but like... Yeah. Uh, she is phased out as um, Leith kind of takes center stage in the kissing department. Yeah. And the only other major structural thing is that the class itself, uh, the suspension of disbelief, is more of a meta thing to keep track of uh, Cliff's acceptance of the weird things. Cliff as a stand-in for the reader and the reader as a stand-in for Cliff kind of saying like oh that's really weird and every time that cliff kind of can't suspend his disbelief anytime um, he, he thinks too hard about anything he gets a notification on his phone saying like your grade dropped in suspension mm-hmm. of disbelief class <laughs> you're thinking too much about it mm-hmm. um i think the first time that happens is when he starts talking about like oh you know it's going to be so difficult being a student at this school uh, if I'm in underwater classes all the time because I am here to like I am here to learn how to be a beekeeper and so he starts going through like <laughs> reasons like okay I can compromise with this maybe I can do beekeeping underwater and he's like well many of the predators are you avoid predators if you're under and like he starts sort of thinking about how that would kind of make sense and then I think that's where he gets the first notification of like you're thinking about it too realistically stop and it's really funny because the entire point of the class is like just, just, just go with it. I mean, I love, I, there, I call this story charming for a reason. So chapter two is where, where we kind of end up after Cliff kind of gets his introduction to like, oh, okay, so this is, yeah. this oh, is the well, deal. We should explain. At some point, he goes up to like a teacher or someone to say like, oh, my classes are underwater. Uh, what the fuck? Please help me. Please mm-hmm. like talk to someone and get me reassigned. And then they're like, we, we can do that, yeah. And then after his experience uh, meeting the mermaids and, like, hanging out for, like, a week or something, he's like, maybe I don't want to leave here so immediately. Mm-hmm. Let's let's wait it out a little bit, see what happens. Mm-hmm. He they gets... are all over him. Oh, he is being worshipped, man. Like, he is, uh, he is the star of the show here, the sea star. Um, and... God, Aaron would just have climbed through the screen. I'm letting and, like, it go. Killed I'm letting every... it go. Well, it's less that. It's more the fact of, like, Aaron would have found CB Archer and done something horrible to him, <laughs> I am sure. Because this is this is a pun fest, honestly. The whole story, just, like, my feeling about the whole story is the feeling that I have after hearing someone make a pun. And, like, our opinions on the story are pretty different, I think. Like, you're finding it charming, and I think I'm a little less positive about it because I am just like, oh, oh, mm-hmm. my God, <laughs> all these puns. I suspend my disbelief better, evidently. I love, now, I'm a connoisseur of incredibly shitty puns, mostly because I make them. <laughs> um, so I was just, like, into this story for, like, what it had to offer. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's perfectly fine. So that that might be one of the criteria for recommendation. If you like shitty puns, you're going to like this story. If you groan <laughs> after every shitty pun you hear, <laughs> maybe this isn't for you. But I will say that, like, more than just 
uh, puns. There are all these little bits of the story that are very, uh, they're very inventive. They're clever and they're kind of funny. Cliff, for instance, is going to school to become a beekeeper, uh, an apiarist, I think is the technical term for that. So the chapter two reads, the beginning of chapter two reads, Intermediate Human Monster Relations 201. It turned out that beekeeping underwater worked surprisingly well. In his next few classes, Cliff kept his notes and learned many lesser-known bee facts. Lesser-known bee facts. Number one, if you beekeep underwater, you avoid many of the bees' natural predators. Number two, sea plants produce more pollen than land plants, and bees prefer them. And number three, which is my favorite, Bees can blow tiny air bubbles around their body and breathe indefinitely in a sort of bee submarine. I mean, the feeling, like, it is very improv. Like, it is very, like, an actual improv troupe doing an improv show. Is Like, it's it's the same kind of style of comedy for a lot of the stuff that goes on here. Like, if someone came up to this character and was like, you're a beekeeper now, and they're like, oh, well, sea plants produce more pollen than land plants. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course I'm a beekeeper. The story yes ends very well. It just kind of it does. It it in much the same way that <laughs> it just it does a really good job of establishing the world and just running with it and rather than questioning it just kind of going with you know the implications of how weird it is and how fun it is and you know just seeing where those lead. So he's hanging out in his underwater, I think his dorm room, they mentioned it somewhere, his dorm room is also underwater, but he has like, I don't know, he like wears scuba gear or some shit while he's sleeping, mm-hmm. so it's okay. Or like, I think he, I don't know, there's something about it, like his room is filled with air later on for just, I think it just doesn't matter. But he's like having the time of his life here at the school being <laughs> fawned over by all these mm-hmm. people, And he's like the merfolk kisses time. is getting kissed by everyone specifically by Leith a lot, I think, because mm-hmm. it's sort of like a status symbol among the mermaids, and Leith's like, I'm the big guy. I'm, like, I think mm-hmm. there's a race at some point to get to him, and Leith makes it there first, and that's like... Uh, so there's a, a point. Nothing could spoil Cliff's great mood, not even his next class. Cliff took a look at his schedule and swallowed hard. Gym class. Perfect. He hated gym class. Even if he knew that it was totally a class that was in colleges and pretty much the most important class for his beekeeper diploma. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that one. No, I like it. I love it because it's yeah, just... Yeah, and like that's doesn't the have yes to make and sense. thing. Yeah, like because that's the yes and thing of like there's this beekeeper thing. Here's the setup. And then someone goes, time to go to gym class. And then he goes, yep, definitely going to gym class. I'm in college. Mm-hmm. Sure. Whatever. Speaking of which, as a method of explanation, uh, during the class, another part... So the MacGuffin, really, for this story, in a sense, the structural framework of keeping the story moving along, is this College of United Monsters, which, if you have not caught on, uh, stands for come, app, that tells him, like, you know, what his grades are, what his schedule is, you know, where everything is, you know, various other things, and it's on his phone, and the teacher of the first class, the suspension of disbelief, is like, by the way, the merfolk kiss, which is an amazing thing, which allows uh, non-aqueous creatures to breathe underwater, also allows your phone and notes to work underwater and completely waterproof. And he's like, wow, yeah, awesome. So he goes to gym class. They play dodgeball. All the mer people let him win because they're like, oh, maybe if I lose to him, he'll love me. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know what the, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, which he's like... great at because he has a lot of time dodging angry bees. Yes, he's actually really good because they're playing dodgeball, which leads to a, a, a litany of wonderful phrases. 
Uh, Cliff dispatched him with a set of balls to the chin. When they start playing, it's for the first time today, all of the mermen were not trying to get their balls all over him. The ones on his team took out any non-merfolk threats, and then everyone left on the opposite team floated there, waiting to get booped with his mighty balls. So they throw the game for him. Leith is like, this guy, check out this guy, is an amazing dodgeball champion. And an even better kisser. And like, they all cheer. Cliff is basically like, well... I could stay here and wait for the next class to come in and worship me too, but then another class doesn't come in and he's like, okay, well, I guess I better take a shower, an underwater hot shower. Don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. Even the soap lathered up and totally worked. And he lathered up over his sore dodgeball muscles. And so he... He dried off as best as he could with his underwater towel. Mm -hmm. So he's in the locker room. At some point, he feels like someone's watching him or like he hears Mm -hmm. a noise somewhere so he goes to investigate confused looking around and then at some point he just sees like purple he sees like a Mm -hmm. flash of purple in the crack of the stall and he's like oh what and then there's a sound and then two two more sets of a heavy helmet was tossed into a slam sports bag and like Mm -hmm. this happens a couple times there are like things with the trademark logo on them Mm -hmm. which i thought was a good a good meta thing so like a bunch of football players end up in the locker room where he's taking a shower and it's and he's, Leith, he's the like, green-haired guy and yeah lance yeah uh who's the lance dolphini yeah who's the head of the star running back on the football team the underwater well it's not the under it's just the football team they're just players on the football team uh you have yeah. Leith and lance and then you have the green-haired guy and so at this point cliff is like hiding in a stall and kind of listening to them uh and they start you know, saying, like, how well, could you forget what, that uh, it's the... Well, the way that starts is Cliff is hiding. He hears a sound, and then someone walks in. And then a voice kind of from nowhere, uh, mm-hmm. the the purple-haired person who was spying on him, mm-hmm. was now providing helpful exposition. But that's Lance Dolphini. He's the star running back. Cliff wondered for a moment how a merman could be the star running back for a football team that he knew played exclusively on land. He wondered so hard that his grade in suspension of disbelief plummeted to a C-. There's, I mean, just on that note alone, there's also a, a note at the beginning of the of the book that the mermen and the merpeople were using monkey bars that were installed into the ceiling of the hallway to move around and get to the underwater portion. They have strong arms, I guess. Cliff took a long shower. They had all forgotten that it was actually football tryouts and that they all needed to practice for football tryouts, and Lance is fussing at them like, how could you forget? This is the most important thing, blah, blah, blah. And so they're all back in the um, locker room, uh, and then then Leith and the green-haired merman start, like, talking about Cliff and how, like, he's so dreamy, and if you had seen him and you should, you know, know about him, and you wouldn't be able to resist him either. And uh, And that's, I think, why they're all back in there. But at this point... Cliff is running out of air. His merfolk kiss is kind of running out, so he's running out of time. (laughs) And Lance at some point is like, I don't know what his emotion is exactly here, but he's like, can't you guys keep it in your tails for two minutes? And he's like, how hot can this guy be? Please. Can't you guys focus on football for two minutes? And then unfortunately, so Cliff kind of like tries to find a way out uh, because he needs oxygen. So he like looks around and the purple haired person gets kind of like gets out the window and Cliff's like yeah that's great I'll, I'll do that too so he tries to do that but he forgets that like Merfolk kisses improve his swimming ability so he just like bursts through the door of his stall like on his face right in front of all of the football players and they're like <gasps> and Lance says Lance <laughs> Lance was the first to break the silence holy crap 
You told me he had thingamabobs, but I didn't realize how leggy they would be. Before we get into what actually happens in the scene, which is fucking nuts, first of mm-hmm. all, yeah. um, all the dialogue is quotes from that song from The Little Mermaid, whose name I can't remember, but like that's everything all the mermen say, and it's, it's like it's Ariel's, the worst pun uh, I've ever heard. Oh my god. It's Ariel's <laughs> Part of Your World uh, yeah, that's song. The one. It's, Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Um, yeah, he has legs and stuff. He uses them to walk around on those... Uh, what do you call them? Feet. Like, that's just... <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so bad, though. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. <laughs> well, so then what happens in the scene... Uh, and this happens again later in the story, and it's equally fucking... It, it's like a, it's like nightmare. Because he can't breathe, right? No. Like, he's suffocating and drowning. Mm-hmm. And the way he can survive is the merfolk kiss. If, like, these guys kiss him. And they kind of refuse to like he's like please i can't breathe and mm-hmm. leaf is like like gives him a quick kiss and then and like eventually all three of them like he tries all three of them and eventually all three of them catch on like oh this is what we're doing and they like refuse to and he's drowning and it's like oh, mm-hmm. my cb God. archer flirts with some very interesting borderline dubcon stuff but it's it's fascinating so basically cliff is trying to kiss the people and leith is like Mm, I want to have sex with you. And... Well, he doesn't explain anything. He just goes like, Mm-mm, no, and he's like, he's like moving his mouth out of the way, like, Mm-mm, not doing it. And eventually, Cliff is like, please, what are you doing? And yeah, then, and he tries, uh, and then Leith explains like, well, as you know, like here's another improv thing. Like as you mm-hmm. know, you can't. The way you drown is if water gets into your lungs, and you can't drown if your mouth is already full of something else and like cliff's like what are you talking about and leith has his dick out which... like we need to we need to explain the way in which leith and all these other mermen have their dicks out because it is varied yes there is a diverse dick assortment so leith has like Fuck, look at his perfect legs mm-hmm. i bet he can walk i bet he can run i bet he can stay all day in the sun and like that's just like all this also they they say mer nipple instead of just nipple, which is like <laughs> it just it it reminds me of like the McDonald's. It's like oh look, it's the McNipple. Like you know, new no, for McDonald's the McNipple. Uh, Go with your McFries, your McShake, and your McFlurry, and all the. Ra- I guess this is the point where we have to spill the beans. The mermen, the mer people in the story generally don't find Cliff attractive so much as they have a raging leg fetish. Yeah, because. Oh, well, we didn't explain uh, all these merman penises. Leaf, ha- Leaf has uh, the McWhalen, of course. Yes. It was tapered and reminded Cliff of marine creature documentaries. Lance had a smaller one that resembled a dolphin, which is, that's interesting. <laughs> the green-haired merman was the most interesting of the lot because he, he was one of those newly discovered merfolk that were erotica approved meaning the fish section of his body started just a few inches lower than normal, giving him a regular human mast and even a perky butt. Do any of them actually, like, have traditional penetrative sex with this, with Cliff? No. I guess not, um, so I guess that makes it okay. So we'll Cliff, get to that. Cliff blows all of them because he needs something in his mouth to keep him from drowning. They basically make the proposition, if you can go ten minutes, then we'll give you all the oxygen you want. And so Cliff is basically, like, giving them all oral sex, jerking the other two off in the meantime, so swapping one one to the other. And he teases them to the point where they're like, we can't take it anymore. And then they give him um, 
the merfolk kiss, and then they launch into this scene that I found actually very interesting. So they kind of flip them upside down, and they're all having sex with his legs. These legs are so fucking tight, Leith grunted as he pushed forward again with Ernest. The other merman cheered him on. Cliff was confused. Leith had never wanted to try to do anything with his back door, but instead wanted to fuck his legs while they were held together. Yes. Like a like a thigh job, I guess, is what's happening. I was trying intercurl. to figure out like what exactly is happening here. I think that's what's going on. Yeah. Intercurl. What'd you say? It, well, intercurl is the I think the term for uh between the thighs sex. And then so Leith is that's what Leith is doing. Uh Lance is fucking uh cliff's knee and uh the green the green-haired merman is thrusting between cliff's feet so they're they're it's actually really interesting because and to put it bluntly it then says these mermen had a serious leg fetish but there's before this there's actually a really interesting thing where they're they've basically flipped him upside down and they're just like exploring his whole bottom half basically they're like fondling everything but they're not really interested in He's not. They're not really interested in his ass at all. They're just. They're very, very interested in the legs, and so this is all happening. And finally, they get to uh, a climax. And oh crap! Leith panted. I'm going to spawn. A, a cloud, cloud of, of ocean, ocean spray, spray erupted, erupted from, from the McWhalen. <laughs> nice, nice sink on that. <laughs> uh, oh shit! Lance cried out. Football tryouts. We're gonna be late. Oh. <laughs> and they all. Run off to their separate Mm -hmm. after all this. uh, And Cliff has to go meet the headmistress. Yeah. So Cliff had a, uh, got a meeting to go meet with the headmistress uh, to talk about like his housing and, you know, class situation, which there are other sections of the same classes. He just got the underwater ones. So he's like, oh no, I have, I have a meeting that I, that I need to go to. And everyone's like, well, be careful. She's a dragon lady. And the funny thing is that I know that I know the connotation of that, but like I read that, and I'm like in the context of the story, I'm like I know what's gonna happen. Yeah, like there wasn't a second where I went, "Oh, she's like a regular human." So logic finally prevailed as Cliff yeah. left the underwater wing of the school to reach the regular above ground sections. Cliff was wet, and so were his clothes. And so he runs into the headmistress's, you know, office, and he gets in, and he's late, and he's Palace. terrified, and but then it's actually. With no delay, Cliff was ushered into the main office. He was instantly flabbergasted. This office was a gigantic mountain range, thousands of miles across. Or at least it was painted to look like one. Even though it was a trick of the painted walls, this place was still absolutely massive. It was the biggest room in the school by a wide margin, even bigger than the football stadium. And Cliff hadn't even known that it was here. Who could possibly need an office this large? Cliff wondered out loud. This giant dragon... Uh, appears basically and like blots out the sun and like lowers itself so from cliff stood there paralyzed as his estimated creature size grew from eagle to minivan to bus to whale to and finally to football stadium he's terrified because he said this wasn't the office this must be where the dragon lady sent people that were late to her meetings to die at the claws of the beast and it turns out no the beast is actually the principal the beast blows fire at him but it's not to roast him it's actually to dry him off she sits down in this giant office chair that Cliff somehow hadn't noticed before. And she's dressed in a pink sweater that had stitched cat girls and cat boys playing with yarn on it. We get, we meet Mrs. Barbachula Flameferno. 
the Devourer of Souls headmistress of College of United Monsters, but most people call me Barb. Here's the here's the important thing that is not immediately apparent, but becomes very, very apparent quickly. Barb has an accent. Becomes uh, apparent pretty immediately mm-hmm. with uh, Don't You Know and stuff, and You Betcha mm-hmm. that she's from Minnesota. And Jared and I had a brief conversation where we tried to figure out which one of us was better at a Minnesota accent. And uh, I believe you can go ahead and maybe read this dialogue. <laughs> the big dragon let out a smoke-filled giggle. When I heard about your dilly of a pickle, I was surprised, you betcha. My entire break before the semester started was spent sorting out those silly merfolk gooses, don't you know? Uh, okay? Mrs. Barbatula Flameferno, the devourer of souls, or as she preferred Barb, leaned in a bit closer and held her claws up to her snout in an attempt to whisper, but her huge voice was still booming. Yeah, just between you and me, those merfolk have a bit of a soft spot for legs, human legs especially, don't you know? I know that now, <laughs> Cliff nodded. But what we what we figure out from this is that is the reason uh, Cliff was put in the underwater section. Yeah, so like the 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 thing that Barb explains is that the mermen all like faked putting human on their registry thing so they could end up near a human. Then she had to correct them, like, "No, you're a mermaid." And so when she saw the name Cliff Waters. She yeah. was like, that's clearly a merman name. Don't mm-hmm. you try and pull one over on me. And then yeah. she changed it back to underwater. And then that's how Cliff ended up in this in this crazy situation that he's found himself in. Mm-hmm. So Barb is like, oh, honey, I'll, I'll get it figured out just right away. And so <laughs> she's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll, suit, I'll sort it out in just, you know, short time. I'll let you know. And Cliff's kind of like, Okay, because and she's like she immediately picks don't up. Don't do it she's too like, quickly. Don't rush. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. oh, somebody have a good time now, didn't ya? Oh, that's what she says. Oh, not too keen on switching classes then. There, somebody has someone have a good day, did he? So, uh, Cliff's now kind of unsure whether he wants to switch classes because he loves the attention, but you know, hearing that the mer people have leg fetish he actually feels kind of less special less important because yeah like it's it's interesting because he's kind of like oh like he's disappointed like i thought they really liked me but then he's like oh Mm -hmm. they're just like it i guess he was thinking before that like they just all thought he was cute or something Mm -hmm. but now he's like oh well i guess it's just the fact that i have legs Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's like really upset about it and it's it's great so he leaves the office with a giant lemon square that she offers him that's the size of his head. I've made lemon squares, and they usually end up about that size. He gets outside, and he starts to think about all that's happened, and it causes his grade to drop uh, so far in suspension and disbelief that he's instantly signed up for a tutor because he needs help. Otherwise, he's going to fail this class. Now there's a... Because the, the mer people like gossip constantly, so now it's like... Uh, apparently the rumor went around that Cliff would basically, according to this, close his tight little legs for anyone that asked. And so now everyone wants a piece of him. He's less enthusiastic because he realizes that people are not interested in him for him. They're only interested in his legs. So even though everyone else is like trying to uh, sex him up, he's kind of like, oh, well, I know they're not interested in me. So I'm not, he's not as interested now. Cliff goes to the library to meet with his tutor, and uh, the li- 
here's the explanation. It turned out that you can keep books completely dry underwater only if you keep them on shelves that are hexagon in shape. The hexagon shape would wick water away. And Cliff remembered that that was a completely true science fact that also worked for underwater beehives. <laughs> his tutor was already at the table and distracted looking through his laptop bag. Purple-haired, slim, wearing a Nautilus necklace, uh, and <laughs> carrying a blur lap, a blur trademark laptop laptop bag, which I guess is because he was a purple blur. I don't know. Not going to mm-hmm. think too much about it. Uh, but and Cliff so- recognized him. <laughs> he basically turned the pages of the story to go back to the first chapter and figure out that this character was named Humboldt. Cliff checked back in the story narrative section of his CUM school app to learn the purple blur's name was Humboldt. You know, he's like, this is my chance. So he like creeps up to try and like catch him and he grabs the guy's wrist and he's like, got you. And then a chase scene ensues, basically, is what happens. Mm -hmm. They're running through the library, trying to figure out what's going on. And then Cliff uses his extensive knowledge of bees and the structure of beehives to catch Humboldt in a trap. So it's a very convoluted plan, and it's supposed to be kind of like, it's almost like Scooby-Doo-esque, where it's like, this, it's a Rube Goldberg, kind of like, this sets off this, and this sets off this. So he likes, the librarian who is a mer-person, mer-woman, and is very interested in Cliff, he like tells her to meet him in the self-help section and later she's self-helping uh, a wink a wink and uh he like moves their her book cart in the way and he lathers himself with this like mat this bait honey that he got from uh doing really great in his beekeeping class and you know kind of like this ricochet effect going like he Humboldt runs into her and then can't get over the uh cart and then like runs directly smack dab uh, and gets stuck to Cliff, and Cliff is uh, excited because, you know, he's caught the guy. But then, unfortunately, it starts running out of air. So he's like, okay, well, uh, Murpho kiss, and he passes out. Yeah, he kisses he kisses Humboldt, and then it doesn't and then he work, passes out. and he starts to drown. <laughs> and so... I don't know I'm laughing. He starts to drown. That's yeah. insane. Then he ends up in his room, and there's like Funny a whole scene of him. Funny story! Lying down in his bed, like, it, in, like, in recovery and humbled is there at his side Mm -hmm. it's just like a montage of like the weekend where he's like lying in bed like Mm -hmm. and humbled is like asleep in the room and they're cuddling or whatever cliff is basically as as you said recovering and he's in his room and he's just kind of like going in and out of consciousness and uh he essentially like is in this kind of state of resting and recovering for about two to three days over the weekend and humbled is there like the whole time and at certain points, like, Cliff, like, pulls Humboldt into bed with him, and, you know, they cuddle, and they sleep, and uh, and so on. Until they wake up at one point, the crow of an Alba Cortuna gently nudged Cliff awake. And then he gets his chance to be like, who are you? What's happening? What happened to me? And then Humboldt is like, you almost drowned. The, the slutty librarian had to give you mouth-to-mouth. You were in a hospital for a bit, but they released you to at-home bed rest providing someone was there to watch you and then like oh you were watching over me this time why were you spying on me and blah 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 and then humboldt is like oh because you're nice and funny and sweet and kind and good with the bees and you never back down from a challenge and you know like humboldt had a crush on him basically Mm -hmm. but not on his legs but on mm -hmm. his whole him his whole personality and all the rest of it so humboldt's like socially awkward and very uh embarrassed and 
and Cliff is trying to like console him and basically like, no, you know, I'm I really appreciate it. And it's really lovely to meet you. And then Humboldt is like, no, thank you for talk for not freaking out because everyone who meets me always freaks out. So like, thank you for talking to me. My people have a bit of a bad reputation, you know. And and then at some point he figures out Humboldt's like, I'm not I'm not a merfolk. And then Cliff goes through like all the the list of clues yeah he's got like like, the he's got like the poirot parlor scene where he's like yes and this deduction led me to this conclusion here's the breakdown like flashback like hmm that's why the merfolk kiss didn't work who is humboldt really and why do his people have a bad reputation where could he get more of this sea honey it was delicious and so and immediately all the the questions are answered so it's now on some level you might say that 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 tying together in many stories would feel lazy if you had if you had a structure that was more standard of like a narrative then you would you could say that like just listing all the questions and then immediately answering them would feel lazy but in this story which is very tongue in cheek it doesn't take Humble, itself very seriously it's intentionally like Humboldt says Humboldt says I'm not a merfolk and then you can see Cliff has like a it like zooms in on his eyeball and then he's like, mm-hmm. whoa. And it flashes back to the memory of him kissing Humboldt and mm-hmm. nothing happening. And he's like, it all makes sense now. Like it's mm-hmm. basically that. Cliff has the like looking at the woman looking at equations meme. No idea what you're talking about, but sure. That's fine. The kids will get so, it. So, yeah. <laughs> kids, you shouldn't be listening to this porn show. Stop. <laughs> Please go do something else. So Humboldt uh, is revealed to be not half fish which i guess is what merfolk are right that's they're just like half vague undefined fish humboldt is half octopus my family are squids squids have eight cephalopod arms and two tentacles but we pretty much just call them all tentacles you really don't know what i am do you no wonder you're not freaking out and cliff's just like no i really don't and humboldt's like i'm (sighs) he is a type of creature his kind his basically. kind basically invented tentacle born. Yeah, like tentacle... Is uh, what he says. And that's the bad reputation, which is, again, if we are going to stop, suspe- if we're not just going to yes and, his reputation is that all his people tentacle rape. And I'm like, that's an insane reputation to have. Oh my God. That would... Mm-hmm. No wonder people are freaking out. It's, it's, it's pretty intense. Like... This story, uh, and this is most of the ways through the story, so when we get to this point, I was like, oh, this is where we're going, huh? It is quite a turn. So Cliff, like, consoles him. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not afraid of, like, it's the Beauty and the Beast sort of like, I'm not afraid of you. I know you're a monster <laughs> or whatever. I don't know what he, how he says it, but, like, it's that moment of, like, yeah, you're scary, but I'm not scared of you. You're kind on the inside or whatever. Well, Cliff says you don't need to be defined by what people think your species does. Uh, he says, yeah. I'm a human, and I positively never do that thing we are famous the world over for. You know, hopscotch. Like, it's worth pointing out that this is another area where C.B. Archer plays with the kind of the line of dubious consent. But um, much in the same, in the earlier scene where um, Cliff is, you know, in the locker room with the three mer men who aren't aren't giving him air, he actually like establishes very very firmly that like even if Cliff had all the air he wanted, uh, he still would have like given them blowjobs. Like this is something he really wanted to do, uh, even if the circumstance kind of signals, you know, not coercion. Yeah, okay, sure, but... we'll go with it. So that's something that C.B. Archer, like, kind of, like, hammers 
home in the uh, in the narrative then and now and the upcoming uh, scene that Cliff is very, very consenting, uh, even if the situation itself is concerning on some level. Uh, so yeah, there's a sex scene with Cliff and Humboldt. Humboldt again being uh, one of those erotica-approved octopus men uh, where mm-hmm. the humanoid body ended just a little bit lower than usual, so he had a human cock and then also all the tentacles. And a perky butt. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, th- this line I actually loved. He was harder than if a Medusa had been staring at his crotch all night. Uh, poor unfortunate souls is mentioned. I can't find it now. Shoals. Mm-hmm. Poor unfortunate shoal. <laughs> Uh, it's it's bad on two levels it's worth pointing out that like humboldt is very clearly like a stand-in if we're going to keep going with like this little mermaid humboldt has like a bad reputation he's a purple squid hybrid i can't believe you've done two episodes with squid humans you know sometimes you're just lucky like that (laughs) (laughs) sometimes life just throws these things at you and you just gotta you know you know, sometimes you enroll in underwater beekeeping, and you just gotta roll with it. Roll like the tides. So, so there is a tentacle porn, you know, style sex scene with Cliff and Humboldt, which is, as you said, concerning. Cliff is giving uh, Humboldt oral sex, and Humboldt's rolling his eyes back in pleasure. And the more pleasure it is, the further his eyes roll back, and finally, like. He's getting close to climax, and his eyes, like, roll all the way back, and they start glowing. And he becomes, like... Like, all his tentacles become, like, tentacle dicks, and, uh, and like, he pins Cliff <laughs> down. And Cliff, like, looks up into Humboldt's face and s- apparently sees, like, there's some tenderness behind the glowing storm from X-Men eyes, I guess. Cool, so this is happening. And he's, like, going with it. But, like, yeah, tentacle sex happens. Oh, good, was all Cliff could manage to get out before a squirming tentacle was shoved down his... Shoved is one of those words that I'm like, I... uh." (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. it's very humble, full-on limit break, goes berserker mode, and he's like... It's just like all of those he's, like, taken over by a demonic... Yeah. He's, like, much more angry and, like, can't control, you know... Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, like, totally... All that stuff. It's... I CB Archer gives several reassurances throughout that like this is consensual this is uh even if the situation is a bit concerning but like I can totally see why uh it could make people uncomfortable uh especially because there are the dynamics of coercion um even if they're played with for kink purposes but like I can totally see why this would make uh people uncomfortable like it made me uncomfortable even with the assurances on some level but like the optics for this the framing of this is not like dark or abusive especially in a story that's as light-hearted and uh again comedy forward as this sure. is like it's it's described as as a consensual thing but there's only like you can only do so much when describing tentacles coming out of humboldt and like grabbing him in so many different places and just like throwing him around like a toy you know multiple tentacles uh penetrating and framed as consensual it also bears the trappings of non-consensual acts and that i think might be the main crux of discomfort for people reading or i assume that's what your discomfort is because like again 
as, as you were saying back to the all good knit was all Cliff could manage to get out before a scrumming tentacle was shoved down his throat. It ruthlessly pounded all the way down and soon another had found its way inside. It could only swirl around inside, but that didn't stop it. Or the third that joined in to happily smear juices everywhere. Because I guess the idea was sort of to describe it the way tentacle scenes are described most of the time and yeah i guess they are like aggressive like this like it it seems intentional that it was described in this way that it is like uncomfortable and yeah uh it's rough and it because like because like on top of it humboldt isn't there like he's not of his right mind he's like gone berserk mode and so he can't be like talking and making it sound normal he's kind of behind the veneer but like after all this is now again this is the sort of thing where it's like humboldt is in this what do you want to call it like norse god rage of just like tentacle fucking and cliff is like okay i'm into this and uh afterwards after everything is said and done uh humboldt is like holy fuck what did i do like he knows very well what he did but like i didn't mean to do that i didn't mean to do that i'm so sorry and just like uh quote gets the hell out i'm sorry I can't believe that I tentacle raped you <laughs> like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I highlighted that like, wow, yikes. And then they just have like a bit of a conversation of like, like a deep debriefing. Like, was yeah. it weird that we did that? Mm-hmm. Are we okay? Is this okay? And yeah. Cliff's like, no, what you did is fine. And Humboldt's like, oh my God, I can't believe that that happened. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. And Cliff is like, no, 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 it's fine. Cliff is kind of like, that was fine. I it was actually the hot. He actually like says it was the hottest thing he's ever experienced. So Cliff is super sure. duper into it. It's also like I think part of the dilemma might be like with how Humboldt has reacted because he feels like he's not in control more than anything. But uh, basically, the story ends with Cliff and Humboldt talking and Cliff saying like, "No, that was awesome. Like, uh, I really enjoyed it." So on that level, like. Uh, it is consensual on that level. And Humboldt is also kind of, more than anything, he's afraid that his powers might hurt people. But Cliff is kind of giving him the go-ahead. I'm too like, powerful. Yeah. Cliff I'm is dangerous. kind of giving him the go-ahead of saying, like, look, like, I found that actually really hot. And Aren't I, you afraid of me? Beauty and the Beast here. Well, Leggy and the Beast, but... And so Cliff is basically like, let's, you know, I would absolutely adore it if we could, you know, do that again. And you have nothing to be ashamed of and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's again, it's it's kind of like, as you said, debriefing after the uh, sex scene occurs. So I'm going to say it's just in a gray area because like I I ended up in a place where I didn't mind in a sense. I don't know. I thought it was weird, but like. Sure. I mean, this whole story is tongue-in-cheek. It's like, it's a suspension of disbelief, whatever. Like, it's... Like, the the situation... No, you have absolutely every right not to be uh, comfortable reading it. Like, again, I kind of went like, when I was reading it, and even if it ended up in a place for me personally that's on, the like, the more positive side of the gray area, like, it's still a gray area. Yeah, so yeah, that's the I don't story. Know. I don't know that we're going to reach anything conclusive here, but, like... That's how the story ends. It was a little bit weird, but yeah. And like it it ends with and like I I've read multiple eroticas for this show now, which like I didn't have a ton of experience of, but there's like there's a format that if it's someone with like at least a little bit of experience, it does always have this format of like there's a debriefing sort of epilogue 
right mm-hmm. after the big sex scene where they sort of talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've seen more than one where the the way it actually like the way this actually ends, Humboldt flashed a wicked grin. Do you think we could get five inside you this time? And then Cliff says some other stuff. Maybe we can get six. Yeah, let's do it. And then the story ends. And <laughs> I think I remember an earlier story, like the pumpkin spice story. Mm-hmm. I think it, ex- it ended literally the exact same way where yeah. someone went, uh, you think we could increase the number? And then someone else mm-hmm. went, what if I even do plus two to what you just said? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Like, <laughs> it's There's... kind of a cliche ending, which I didn't think I'd catch, but... It's up. The, it's yeah. it's upping the ante. Like the denouement. Uh, there's this very. There's this one paragraph at the very very end. That's literally like the chapter is the end, and the denouement paragraph is Cliff never did switch to land classes, opting for a full underwater schedule with Humboldt McCracken's help. He managed to not only pass all of his classes, but also to get blissfully tentacle fucked on a near daily basis. The end. The end. So it's it's a happy ending. As happy as um, this really weird, very tongue-in-cheek, lampshady, funny narrative can be, in the sense that, like, yeah, these characters who, you know, we don't really learn much about, they're there for joke purposes and for sex purposes, which is... Yeah, like, they're all, yeah, yeah. The story doesn't, like, you it doesn't know, try matter. and do more than what it is. Green-haired guy never got a name. The story knows yeah. exactly what it is, and I think does a really good job of delivering on that in the sense that it's it's never getting above it it's it's not like aspiring to you know grand narrative war and peace porn like that's not the point uh the point is to like you know entertain the reader and it does that really well in my opinion the things that i found interesting in the story is that when you sort of go underneath the layer of joke and be like well if you actually think about if you don't suspend your disbelief and you go this scene where they're depriving him of air is actually very weird and interesting and this mm-hmm. sort of conversation they have about Humboldt is kind of weird and interesting mm-hmm. it's i mean on on some level it depends on how you look at it and it can be very uncomfortable certainly but i agree with you on the sense that like a lot of the jokes here are you know one off or punny or you know just you know go with it but on the other hand like there are also some very interesting clever world building mechanics and uh details throughout you know for the monkey bars and the uh the hallways and the the bees blowing little bubbles in their bees, the bees. submarines <laughs> like that's that's so clever and fun uh and it makes me want to read more of cb archer's work uh on that you know on that basis alone well this story is the first in a series mm-hmm. college of united monsters is a series and I, I don't know how many there are out there's at least one more there's a centaur presumably not with cliff waters i assume it's just like i think it's a different random tales person, from yeah. the college of united monsters uh so what do you think jared would you recommend i do i do recommend the book it's i mean first of all like if you're going to read the book you have to realize that like I wouldn't say it's the type of erotica where you read it to get off. I think it's more uh, erotica as entertainment. You could argue that, like, Chuck Tingle writes erotica as entertainment, but I think, like, he tries to write erotica as erotica and it ends up with, like, silly premises but still intentionally erotica. Whereas C.B. Archer writes entertaining, funny, punny stories while using sexual content as his kind of resource yeah. pool. Or you said something like that at the beginning. Like this is yeah. primarily a vehicle for 
jokes and like weird funny improv kind of mm-hmm. yes and situations uh but just like what's happening here is explicitly sexual stuff going mm-hmm. on but it's not really i mean i don't know i didn't find it arousing yeah but like no it's it's less on some level you could say that it's less uh it's less like a standard quick erotica and more like i don't want to say like a visual novel but it has that kind of very funny setup joke setup that sounds about right actually yeah i mean if you're interested in this story and like i assume the rest of cb archer's stories are Mm -hmm. pretty kind of on this level the writing is good i think i guess i mean like it's inventive like i said at the beginning of the episode like there are like grammatical things Mm -hmm. that kind of I had issue with um but that's like it gets a point of a point across that's fine a lot of the writing um as we've already said functions to set up jokes so a lot of it is kind of this very like concise crisp to the point it's very terse compact but i like i enjoyed it so that was desires of the deep college of united monsters book one yep by cb archer you can find it on amazon it's on kindle three dollars like we said mm-hmm. uh not on kindle unlimited but you can you can pick this up and you can pick up just look through the uh the gallery the corpus of cb archer's work oh and yes see the if canon. any of the other ones yeah the canon of cb archer's work see if any of them appeal to you i was looking through like tales of gentalia's the other mm-hmm. series and like they're all parodies of other sort of video mm-hmm. game related things two of the tales of gentalia series have been reviewed on the show before they're nothing if not inventive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a note. I actually just, I didn't notice this. Um, the next book in this series is called Centaur of Attention, which yep. is pretty good. Okay, so uh, where can people find you, Jared? Well, if people want to find me, uh, they can find me on Twitter at Hattie Palms, H-A-T-T-I-E-P-A-L-M-S. How about you, Aya? Where can people find you? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I just learned from a conversation we had before we... Uh, sat down to do this episode I just learned that your Twitter handle is actually the name of a character you played mm-hmm. uh, and you gave me a little sample of the voice you don't need to do it now but uh, you can find me on Twitter at Teller Farsight uh, where I'm just talking about I don't know video games that I play not really anything interesting but you can also join us at the Discord server it's sort of the the public space the red light library in the world of the imagination if you will mm-hmm. Uh, so you can come join us, uh, come talk to all the librarians. What have we been doing on the Discord channel recently? Talking uh, about... We've been talking about... JJ the jet plane is something oh, <laughs> that happened dear recently, I think. God. <laughs> yeah, we don't always talk about, like, horny things. Uh, so, you know, never worry. Sometimes we just talk about cursed things. And um, we've been talking... I mean, there are all kinds of things we talk about random books we find we talk about uh art projects and creative projects we're working on victoria uh they have some wonderful things they're working on they're working on a comic and you know all kinds of things so you know come visit us on come visit our discord come talk to us or you know you could always connect with us on the website or on twitter yep the twitter being at red light library uh and the website Actually, I don't know if you can look it up. Redlightlibrarypodcast.wordpress.com was the yes. old website, mm-hmm. but Gavin did get a new domain landing page for us. Domain, that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. Let me just make sure. It's uh, rllpod.com. So yep, we'll be... that seems to be correct. So you can check us out there, that website, which will probably be changing a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. Well, this has been exciting. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Aya. Thank you, Jared. Uh, and thank you, patrons. We will see you next Tuesday. 